0: Good morning again, Grace Church. We're excited about continuing this uh, series we started a few weeks ago entitled Grace. And so if you'll just go ahead and open up your hearts and your ears and be open and receptive and also purpose to be responsive to that which the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you can anticipate growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is that a good deal this morning? Amen. As I was pondering this week on uh, reflecting on and preparing the message for this morning, I asked myself the question, I often do this when I get ready to to minister, and I thought, what if if someone were to ask me about the grace of God and what would be one of my favorite illustrations of the grace of God? And, you know, of course, it's a very broad topic, but this morning I'm going to be zeroing in on the language of grace. I'm going to say the language of grace so grace has its own language, and then we want, to, we, we want to learn to grow in that language and be gracious and generous to one another. But I landed upon the, the story in Luke chapter 15 is the story of, of, of God and the prodigal son. And how the son had squandered everything that the father had given to him, the inheritance and the whole bit. And, and, and upon the son discovering that he still wasn't happy after having everything that he thought would make him happy, he, 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 he found himself being remorseful and repentant and started to, his journey back home to the father. And as he was going back home, the scripture tells us, you can find this in Luke 15, I encourage you to read the entire story, but he found himself rehearsing his repentance speech And what he's going to say to the father when he gets back. And part of that speech was that I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Please make me one of your hired servants. Now that, to a religious mind, sounds really, really commendable. The man came to his senses and he's repentant, and he's going back to father and he's saying, I'm no longer worthy. And we think, oh, that's great, great. He really has found repentance. Good for him. We applaud the <laughs> prodigal son coming back to the father. And uh, I just want to challenge you a little bit this morning on that thinking. And I see this when it comes to the language of grace, when it comes to the father's response to the young man. Because it tells us that, that the son actually came to the father. The father ran to him with compassion and embraced him. And the first thing out of the, out of the son's mouth was, I have sinned against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Make me a hired servant. I'm submitting to you today that's a very dangerous, religious, legalistic attitude AND THAT'S NOT THE WHOLE POINT OF THE STORY. THE POINT OF THE STORY IS WHEN IT COMES TO THE LANGUAGE OF GRACE, IT'S NOT THE SON'S LANGUAGE, IT'S THE FATHER'S LANGUAGE. EVERYONE SAY THE FATHER'S LANGUAGE. HOW DID THE FATHER RESPOND? HOW DID HE RESPOND? WHEN YOU READ THAT STORY IN LUKE CHAPTER 15, YOU WILL FIND OUT THAT THE FATHER RESPONDED ALMOST AS IF HE DIDN'T HEAR A WORD THAT THE SON SAID. PREVIOUSLY HE SAID THAT THE FATHER RAN TO HIM WITH COMPASSION embraced him and kissed his neck. The son had that religious mindset that, boy, I really blew it. I don't know if the grace of God will cover all this. I don't think grace will cover this completely. So I'm just going to humble myself and go back as a hired servant, not as a son. And when he communicated that to his father, the father completely ignored. It's like he didn't even hear. Do you ever hear the comment went in one ear and out the other? The father didn't, he, didn't he make mention of it. He immediately turned to his servants, and he said, quickly, bring the best robe. Bring the socks, and bring the ring for his finger. My son, who was lost, is found. That which was dead has been found, is, is alive again. That, my friend, is the language of grace. What's missing in that story that we often put into that story, and what we hear in that story is guilt and condemnation. There is no guilt and condemnation coming from the father's heart from the father's mouth toward the son. Well, it's about time you come to your senses. I could have forewarned you that that wasn't going to end very well. I'm glad you finally saw the light. Shame on you. Welcome back to the family, but we're going to put you on probation. We're going to keep an eye on you to make sure you really mean what you mean. There's none of that in there. You say, well, Pastor Ray, what are you implying? I'm implying that the Father, God, is the God of all grace. Scripture tells us that Jesus, we looked at this the first week in John chapter 1 and verse 14 tells us that Jesus, when he manifested and and he... As as a man, when he was born, he was full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. You say, "Well, that's wonderful." Now we have God. That's a graceful God. Pastor Vern talked about last week. Is God angry or is He graceful towards us? So we know we have a graceful God. But where does that lead me? Well, if you keep reading the Gospel of John, you find in verse sixteen that it says, "And of His fullness we have what? We have all received. What did we receive?" Grace for grace. Double emphasis. You know when your parents call your name twice? It's to get, it's to get your attention. So of his fullness we have all received. So let's say this together. Say, thank you, Father. I have received of your fullness grace for grace. <laughs> Isn't that rich? We have grace grace. For grace. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So let's begin with Ephesians chapter 4. You say, well, I thought we already began with Luke and John. Well, that was, that was free. I'm not charging for that. All right. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification or building up, that it may impart grace to the hearer. So THAT'S OUR GOAL. WE WANT TO DEVELOP IN THE LANGUAGE OF GRACE THAT WHEN WE ARE COMMUNICATING, LIKE THE Father, AS THE FATHER COMMUNICATED, AND AS JESUS COMMUNICATES TO US, HE COMMUNICATES in a, in, a, IN a LANGUAGE OF GRACE. GRACE FOR GRACE. AND SO, WE ARE NOT TO LET ANY uh, CORRUPT WORD PROCEED OUT OF OUR MOUTH, BUT WHAT IS GOOD FOR NECESSARY EDIFICATION. EVERYONE SAY, IT'S NECESSARY. So it's important. It's incumbent upon us to uh, develop the language of grace. It's necessary uh, and edification, the building up. It's necessary. It's important that we build one another up. I need to be built up. You need to be built up, and we do so with the language of grace. And, the, and, and uh, since it's necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, glamour, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God has forgiven you. Now, each one of those verses could be a sermon in and of itself, but we're going to be focusing on developing the language of grace. The father's response to the prodigal son, I think, is a classic example that's grace for grace on how we can, setting the bar high for how we are to respond to people. You think of the person, you, you, you imagine in your mind, we all, have, we all have different thresholds, but you think of the person that's, that's the most vile sinner you could think of coming into this service this morning and, and hearing the message and, and, and purposing to open up their heart and to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Are you willing to communicate the language of grace to that type of individual? Are you willing to communicate and, and to say, bring the, best, bring the best for this person, bring the best robe, bring, bring the sandals, bring the, bring the ring and kill the, be- kill the fatted calf. Let's celebrate this person that was lost is now, now is fine, found. Or are you like I so often am, kind of like, well, I'm ha- sort of happy, but I'm also reserved here in my judgment because I'm not sure this is for real or how's this, going to, how's this life going to be transformed? Or am I willing to respond in a, in a spirit of grace to, uh, to celebrate because that which was lost has been found, that which was dead is alive again, and I'm willing to quickly celebrate it and, and to speak life over because that's what I'm called to do is to speak grace upon it and I can receive grace for grace. So that's our goal. That is our goal. For had the language of grace, and here in this particular verse, verse twenty-nine, where it says to let no corrupt word, but only that which is good for necessary edification. This verse in itself has a first of all it has a, a broad negative. It says let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. None, absolutely none. I did a, a very intense study on the word no, and it means. No. Can't I just say this one thing that I feel about this person? Can't I just say this one thing that's true about this person? True from whose perspective? No. It's not right to say that. But I think it's okay just to say this. Maybe not that, but I could say this. No. No. If it's not grace, then don't say it. That's okay if your vocabulary gets cut by 75%. (laughs) That's that's perfectly okay. And that we start engaging our heart and start engaging the love of God before we open up our mouth. Because the scripture teaches us that out of the the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. So we want to get our heart filled with the grace of God. We want to become established in the grace of God and develop the language of grace. So the broad negative is don't let it happen. Just don't do it, as tempting as it is. Well, I just want to tell you this one little thing. Just this one little thing. I I think you should know this. Come on, James, I think you should be aware of this. Is it okay if I tell you? No? Oh, man, but I want to tell someone. How about you, Alicia? Could I tell you? Would you be willing to listen? (laughs) No, you're not listening either. Wow. No? Corrupt, the broad negative, but then it concludes with a comprehensive positive, but what is good for necessary edification. So, so there's a lot we can say. There's a lot we can say. We just have to decide, and, and my words aren't going to be edifying. They're going to build this individual person up. The person I'm talking about, I'm building this person up. I'm building myself up, and I'm building up other people with my vocabulary. Is it ever okay Is it ever okay to speak negative about people? Is it ever okay to speak negative about our political leaders? Is it ever okay to speak negative about our employers or uh, just anyone that's in position of authority over us? Is it okay to speak negative about our in-laws or or family members or crazy uncle or crazy aunt? No, it's not okay. It's not okay. I also suspected that it was going to be quiet in here this morning, so you're not offending me. I'm good. All right? I'm good. Because I know you can't talk about me in a negative way, no matter how much I messed this up this morning. You're going to say, Pastor Ray, that was the greatest message you ever heard. So that which is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Imparting grace, that is a language that is spoken to other people that has no relationship to what they have earned or deserved. Didn't earn it, didn't deserve it. Grace upon grace. So nurturing... Our heart and restricting our conversation to only that which is good for necessary edification and imparting grace will not only stimulate our growth, but it will infect others with, with an awareness of the positive and powerful result of grace spoken over them. Ecclesiastes tells us, Ecclesiastes 10 tells us the words of a righteous man are gracious, and you are righteous men and women of God. You have received the the grace of God. You've been forgiven through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and therefore you are righteous, and your words are righteous. When Jesus spoke... When he he, he talked about that the the spirit of the Lord is upon him, he's been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor and so forth. When he was was done with that little sermonette, the people marveled at the gracious words that proceeded forth from his mouth. And that's what should be happening in our lives. People should be built up. People should be encouraged as a result of listening to what you have to say. Now, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 9, we can pull that one up. Hebrews 13 and 9, it says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. Before I read the rest of this, let me tell you a little bit about the book of Hebrews because I mean, I'm just pulling a verse out, especially towards the end of the chapter. But... Paul is, uh, in, in, I believe, I have no problem believing that Paul is the author of Hebrews. There's still some debate among scholars and so forth. Well, who really wrote the book? Well, I'm fine with Paul having written it, and if you don't agree with it, it doesn't matter. The content is still what it is. So, but anyway, in the letter to, to the Hebrews, he's contrasting, he's, in, in the things that he's communicating, he's, he's making a lot of contrast between grace and, and law. I shared with you the first week how we're no longer under law, how we are now under grace. And a lot of his verbiage in there, he's, he's comparing the two and always landing on the reality that grace is far superior. Grace is much better. Uh, Jesus is superior to Moses because he created Moses. The law is better than grace and et cetera, et cetera. So, so, what he's doing here, this is one more analogy here. Then when he says that the don't be carried about with various and strange doctrines. He's talking about the various and strange doctrines. He's referring to the traditions under the law of Moses. All the rituals and the things that they adhere to. Don't be carried away with those things anymore. Then he says, for it is good. Everyone say, it's good. It's good that the heart be established by Grace. We're living in a new in a new dispensation. We're living in the grace of God. Establish your heart. Establish your thinking. Your government, the rule of your life. Establish it in the grace of God, not in various and strange doctrines, not with foods which are not profited those. Those were all part of the rituals, you know, the sacrifices and so forth. He said, "Don't." establish yourself on that establish yourself in the grace of God and he said it is good that your heart be established in grace so that's what we want to do is establish our heart in the grace of God i could talk to you forever and ever about it's important that you don't say anything negative. Make sure you speak positive. Don't say any negative. And you can leave here thinking, okay, I'm going to make up my mind. I'm not going to say anything negative about my family. I'm not going to say anything negative about my church. I'm not going to say anything negative about my pastor. I know you never have and you never will. I just threw that in there. But anyway, I'm never going to speak negative about our government. I'm not going to speak negative about anyone. You can make that, you can have the best intentions leaving here that you're never going to do that. You might not even make it out the, the lobby door or to your car. Or if you do make it to the car, you might not make it out of the restaurant without having said something negative about someone. Intentions, good intentions, if you're not careful, can appear to be reality. I have good intentions to be a positive, optimistic a person that my vocabulary builds up other people. I am a person of grace. My heart's established in grace, and I am positive. I'm always encouraging other people. And the next thing I know, I find myself talking down about someone or being negative about someone because my good intentions can appear to be reality. Another example of that would be you know, the, the gym membership I have They make quite a bit of money on people who buy memberships in January and then never show up. It's a good deal for them. You you make a monthly commitment to a monthly amount of money coming out of your bank account, but you, you don't show up. Now, you paid to show up. You intended to show up. You mean to show up, but you just don't show up. Or my experience has been is I, I see a tremendous influx in January, February, and then March is kind of like, it goes. <laughs> but there's my point is, is that don't confuse your well intentions, your good intentions, to reality. You might think you're a positive, grace-filled, and you're always building people up, but are you really building people up? Just asking. You don't have to answer me. It's just something for you to think about. That's why it's important that the heart, and we say the heart, be established. The heart must be built up. Your heart must, must, must be established in God's grace because in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, Jesus said, and we say Jesus said, this is a quote of Jesus, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's what's in our heart is what eventually comes out of our mouth. In our brain, we might have intentions of saying something else. We may have intentions of being positive. We have intentions of being men and women of grace. But if our heart is not established in grace, whatever's in abundance in our heart, that's what's going to show up. James, in the book of James, chapter 3, as James writes to, to the church, To those that have been scattered abroad as a result of persecution, uh, uh, in chapter 3, he he goes into quite a bit of detail about the importance of controlling our language. And so, what I want to ask you is this. says, what does a horse's bit, a ship's rudder, fire, deadly poison, a spring of water, And a fig tree, what do those have in common? You might initially think they have absolutely nothing in common. But they really do. A fig tree, a spring of water, deadly poison, fire, the rudder on a ship, and the bit in a horse's mouth. James compares each one of those to our language, to our tongue. He uses them to illustrate the power of the tongue. But I want you to, what, what I want to bring out from James chapter 3 is that I, I, I know that James makes this, this statement in verse 80 of James chapter 3 and verse 80 says, but no man can tame the tongue. And many people camp on that and say, no man can tame the tongue. We're talking about establishing our heart in the grace of God, so that what comes out of our heart are words of grace, words that build up, words that edify. And then James says, "Well, no man can tame the tongue." And some people just camp on it and say, "Well, I can't control it. It, it, it. I just said it. I didn't mean to say it." Did you ever use that when you offended someone? Why well, didn't mean it? <laughs> That's not what I meant. Now, sometimes we misspeak or we don't speak well, but, you know, very often we end up saying exactly what we meant. We just got caught and we want to backtrack. I, I, I didn't mean that. But anyway, James says no man can tame the tongue, but what I, he said it's an unruly evil and it's full of deadly poison. What, he, what James did not say, he did not say that we can't establish our heart in grace, and he did not say that the Holy Spirit can't help us control the tongue. The tongue will always be a wild horse, but you can you can control a wild pony. You can you can tame a wild horse. You can control it, and so we can learn to control. And so, but uh, what's important here? What I want you to see here is that the rudder of a ship and the bit in the horse's mouth are secondary commodities. The rudder, yes, the rudder controls the ship. The, the, the direction of the ship, and the bit in the horse's mouth controls the direction of the horse. But someone, the jockey on the horse or the rider of the horse, is controlling the bit. It's pulling the rein. If you want to go to the right, you pull on the right. If you want to go left or if you want to stop, you know. Anyway, you, the rider is controlling the bit. Which is controlling the horse, and on the ship, the rudder controls the ship, but the rudder doesn't make the decision which way, which direction the ship is going. There's a captain of the ship. I want you to see yourself as the captain, filled and established in the grace of God, and you, out of that, you control the direction of your words because your heart is established in the grace of Almighty God. Establish your heart in God's grace. Amen? And so the, the language of grace will always be building up. It will always be encouraging. It, it will always be edifying. I'm not saying that there's never, ever a time for correction. There is time for discipline and there's time for correction, but the Word of God, when it it talks about discipline and correction, it is always done in a loving, vital relationship. It's not just going around and criticizing people and down-talking people that you have no relationship with whatsoever. I'm really annoyed when I when I hear about someone criticizing uh, a politician or a or a or a minister that they don't agree with or, or a song that they don't agree with. I saw the other day on, on came up on YouTube because I was listening to some Christian music on YouTube, then I saw a little thing came up and why you should never listen to, then it gave the name of several churches, you should never listen to their music. And what cracks me up about these type of individuals is that. The church probably doesn't even know them. They don't even know the church. And people are calling out other individuals that they don't have no relationship with. And really, the Word of God gives instructions for resolving conflict, and it should always be, go to the person personally, and if they don't receive you. Go to the person with some other people from your church, from your family, and go with them. If they still don't receive the correction that you think is important, then, then they take it to another level of authority. But it's never to go public with it. Everyone say, never go public. There's a time for doing it privately, but there's never a time to do publicly until you went through the first two steps. So until you've done the first two steps, sip it. Say, Pastor Ray, you're venturing from grace. <laughs> Well, it's just an appropriate time to do so. An appropriate time to do so. Are you still with me this morning? Yes. All right. So establish your heart upon the grace of God and look to Jesus. Look to the, for of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Let me give you three quick steps here, or three keys would be a better way to put it. Three keys to establishing your heart in the grace of God, and then we'll close with this. Key number one, acknowledge that you have grace within you. We read that, or I shared that scripture with you in John uh, chapter one, verse 16, and of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. So you have, if you are here this morning and you're watching us on, those that are watching online, you have received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You have received grace for grace. Jesus was full of grace and truth. You received him, you receive him as he is. You you don't receive Jesus half full of grace, just a little bit of grace. You receive you receive him as he is. You don't change him to fit your needs personally. You receive him as he is. We are transformed into his likeness, into his image. Therefore, the grace of you are a person of grace. Don't dismiss and thinking. Well, I just, I, I I'm really challenging that. I'm just not a graceful person. I'm more of a law person, and I'm more of a legalist. And you know, we're we're proud of it. And I'm not worthy because of all the things I've done. So I'm just happy to be a servant. You're always a servant in attitude, but you are a son or daughter in relationship in the grace of Almighty God, Amen. So number one. And establish in your heart is acknowledge that you have received the fullness of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, an admission of humanity. An acknowledgement that you have grace within you. Then number two, an admission of your humanity. In Second Corinthians 4, 7 tells us that we have this treasure. Treasure. Everyone say Treasure. You have the treasure of the fullness of grace and truth within you, the wisdom of God within you. You have all the treasures of heaven within you, the kingdom of heaven within you, but acknowledge and and admission of your humanity, it's in an earthen vessel. And that's what causes the tension. Therein lies our challenges. It's in an earthen vessel. I have a a natural mind. I have a spiritual mind. My natural mind is to be renewed with the spiritual mind. And my natural mind is to yield to the spiritual mind. And I have this fleshly body, but yet I'm born again. I'm, I'm, I'm a spirit being, but I'm still bound in this flesh, earthbound, decaying body. That causes the tension, but it does not do away with the reality that you have received the fullness of the grace of God. Well, it's just who I am. My dad was judgmental. I'm judgmental. My great grandfather was judgmental. No, 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 no. You got born again. You received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Your father may have been judgmental. Your grandfather may have been judgmental. And uh, but you know that's not for us to decide. We're we're not to judge. We all belong to God. But what we need to admit is yes, I have this. I I, I have ever all these great precious promises, but they're encapsulated in this earthen vessel, and that that. That's where my daily struggle comes in at. But his grace is more than sufficient. Amen? His grace is more than sufficient. You have your temperament. You have your personality. You have your strength. You have your weaknesses in the natural realm. But grace is more than sufficient. So don't do all these personality profiles as a reason to be the way you are. They do explain some things and they, they are helpful, but ultimately you have received the fullness of grace and truth. So figure that one out in your Enneagram. In all right? I'm a number seven. That's the perfect number. I'm full of grace and truth. I just rearranged the whole thing. All right? <laughs> So, number one, acknowledge that you have the fullness of grace. Number two, uh, the admission of humanity. This is why you need to keep leaning on Jesus. Trust in him with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but trust in him. Number three, an attitude of humility goes a long way. Everyone say an attitude of humility. Now, I know, I know from personal experience that it's really hard to be humble when you're this good. It's, it's tough. It is tough. That's where, that's where this earthen vessel, I mean, <laughs> this earthen vessel, I mean, I, I got it together. I got it going on. And you want me to be humble? You want my humble opinion? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. But now an attitude of humility goes a long way for James chapter 4 and verse 6 it says, God gives grace to the humble. God wants you are filled with it, but he wants to give you more. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So, those are just three quick. Uh, th- Steps that will help you to establish your, your heart with the grace of God. Ultimately, you know, we're, we all just need to continue to walk with Jesus, be in tune with the Holy Spirit leading and guiding our lives, but keep receiving the abundance of God's grace that's abounding. Come to the throne of grace that you might find grace to help in the hour of need. Grace does not exist on a static level. You sense if all this stuff is true about Jesus being full of grace and truth, then my life should be different. And and, and and we end up saying that like it should be automatic because I received Jesus. Well, it's not automatic because you have an earthen vessel and because you're in an earthen vessel, we're told to come to the throne, humble ourselves. God will give us more grace. So we have to learn to uh, pull it in from the kingdom of heaven realm and and, and continue to draw on it and have have ourselves full of it and so that continues to flow forth from it. But acknowledge You're full of grace. Admit your humanity. You need to continue to lean on grace and always maintain that attitude of humility in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Would you all please stand? Father, I thank you this morning in Jesus' name that you have come full of grace and of truth. And as we have received you as our personal Lord and Savior, we have received the fullness of your grace as you are, full of grace, full of truth. So help us, Father God, in Jesus' name, to be honest about our humanity, but not to be guilt-written as a result of it, but to draw on your grace. Because any challenges that I have, any struggles that I have, any sin that I'm wrestling with, your word declares that grace superabounds where sin abounds. So thank you, Father God. I choose, I make a decision to focus on your grace that superabounds. And also thank you, Lord God, as I'm always willing to come before you with an attitude of humility, acknowledging this earthen vessel, the weakness of it, the temptations of it. But Lord God, I turn to you. And like the prodigal son who came to you and said, I'm not worthy. I've done that more than once. But I don't want to do that, Father. I want to come to you acknowledging that because of Jesus, I am worthy. Because of Jesus, I am forgiven. And because of Jesus, I have every right to come before your throne of grace and to find and discover even more grace to help me with this current situation that I'm facing. In Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that for everyone in the sound of my voice this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, perhaps you're with us this morning. said say, Pastor Ray, I haven't made that decision to receive Jesus, who is full of grace and truth, into my life. I'm still struggling. Uh, as a prodigal son, I haven't turned back to the Father, and I haven't come back in a spirit of, re- of, of, of repentance, and I haven't received his grace or perhaps you you've been wanting to come back but you're just feeling like the father's not accepting you because you you've you've been you're you're too guilty you deserve the punishment i want you to know that jesus stands at your heart's door and is knocking right now and there's no sin that can separate you from god because jesus christ bore the penalty of that sin so if you never received Jesus as Savior and say, I want to, I, I would love to be included in a prayer to receive him into my life. I, I, I need to be full of grace and truth. I want to I experience that transformation in my life. With every eye closed just for a moment to give all of you just some personal space just between you and God. And you're saying, Pastor Ray, include me in a prayer today. We call it a prayer unto salvation. We just slip up your hands so we know who we're praying with. Is there someone in here this morning you say, yeah, I'm to, yes, I want to be included in that prayer today. I don't want to miss out on it. Is there anyone at all? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I see that hand. Is there someone else? Okay, perhaps you're watching online. You can go ahead and pray together with us. Let's pray. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that just as the prodigal son approached you and you received him, with compassion and you were elated to receive him and to bring him into restoration to a full relationship with you. I also receive you today as my father, my Lord and my savior from this day forward. In Jesus name, I receive the fullness of grace into my life. Amen. Amen. Let's praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.